Turner running the show here for the Blazers. Defended by Hardaway. Bounce pass to Amina with the high post. Dribbles left. Now hands it off to Damian. Damian with Trey Burke right on him. Six seconds to shoot. Drives. Fades away. Got it! From 15 feet. And the Blazers with a 116-112 lead with 44 seconds to play. A clutch bucket from Damian. He's got 29. And it's a two-possession game. The Sports Pen lives here on ESPN-UP and online with our ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us on Wednesday afternoon. Rachel Zerby from ABC Marquette in studio with us. Rachel, I'm glad you're here. I always am, but I'm especially glad when the teams that you follow are making headline news as they have this <laughs> week. The Vikings, the 76ers, Temple football, everybody that you cover, you're expert. Let's start with uh, the Vikings, though. They fired John DiFilippo after just a terrible Monday night football game. Here's the thing. John DiFilippo, I still think, is a good coach. I still think Zimmer's a good coach. I still think the Vikings are a good team. I think the DiFilippo hire, you know, in theory was a good one. I see why they did it. It's one of those things where you don't really blame anybody. You saw what he did with Philadelphia. You wanted to bring him there to replace a guy like Pat Shermer and build off a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, throwing a great weapons like Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and Kyle Rudolph. I see why they did it. But in the end, him and Zimmer just had two conflicting styles. DiFilippo will go somewhere else, and he'll be a great coach in a pass-heavy type of offense, that kind of a system. He just clashed with the Vikings and what they want to do in Minnesota, so it's really nobody's fault. But nonetheless, the Vikings have a fresh start, and they're going to really get to see what Kirk Cousins can do with Mike Zimmer starting to run. And, you know, Stefanowski, the QB coach, is now the offensive coordinator. But I really think Zimmer's going to have more of a hand in the offensive play calling this time around. Put himself on the hot seat Mm -hmm. because like him firing the offensive coordinator I feel like now if they don't show up on Sunday that I think the question arises is Mike Zimmer kind of the issue I wonder because like I know the two I don't yeah I don't think so either but I I know the two didn't really Mm -hmm. get along I mean Zimmer wants to run the ball Mm -hmm. and I mean their run game is atrocious but that's another thing but now it's like I hope the offense can do something, but I don't think the offensive coordinator, I don't think John was really the issue. I think Kirk, Co- Kirk Cousins is just a bad quarterback. Not worth the $84 million. No, no. no. he has not proved himself at all. What is he now? He's four like and oh, against teams yeah. with a winning record. And he's like 0-7 oh on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Like, the dude can't handle the spotlight. No. No. That's pathetic. No, and you can't be doing that if you're getting paid $84 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. Exactly. It's not acceptable. Exactly. So the Vikings took a step back from last season, yet they still have a chance, and I still think they have all the pieces there to be really good and do what they did and last season. I think so, too. It's just what, what changed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like, what changed from last year to this year. The quarterback kind of, like, Cousins just stayed great, the same. But yeah, he's maybe a little bit of an upgrade over Keenum. Yeah. He's not great, but... They certainly didn't get worse no. at the quarterback position. And, like, I mean, Dalvin Cook is back, but mm-hmm. we're not really utilizing him the mm-hmm. way I want them to be. So it's just like, I don't know, like Adam Thielen's balling out. Mm-hmm. The defense, everyone still hypes up the defense, but mm-hmm. they haven't really showed no, much this haven't. season. Well, last year so they were so down. effective because mm-hmm. they ran the football. They did what Zimmer wanted them to do. They controlled time possession. The defense was fresh every time they took the field. They're not doing the same thing this season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Zimmer really have a hand in mm-hmm. calling plays on offense as well as defense. Maybe he's going to share responsibilities with Stefanowski, air quote, share. We know who's running the team. Yeah. <laughs> 
This Vikings team, though, I mean, I still think talent for talent, they're the best team in the NFC North. I still think they're better than the Bears. They've just got to find the system that works for them. Yeah, on on paper, I think you look at. I don't. I, don't, I mean, the Bears' defense is real. They held the Rams to mm-hmm. six points, mm-hmm. but on another, I'll be at the Vikings game this Sunday. You so, will. Yeah, Dolphins. They have the Dolphins on Sunday. Yeah. So that game's in Minnesota. Yeah, that's going to be fun. First time checking out U.S. Bank Stadium. You First had... time being in Minneapolis in general. Is it really? So, yeah. My last game at U.S. Bank was a Minneapolis miracle. And Miami's that's just awesome. coming off the Miami yeah, miracle. Yeah, two miracles. Maybe there'll be another miracle on Sunday. Who what knows? a quarterback battle you get to see. Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> it's going to be a thriller. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Oh, Vikings are in somewhat of a must-win situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still in the playoffs as it is right now, but it looks like we've got five locks in the NFC, and then that last wild-card spot, I mean, the Vikings haven't really earned it, Mm -mm. but who's going to pass them? I mean, Carolina's lost five straight. The Eagles, who just look bad, they're not going to have Carson Wentz this weekend. Washington down to Josh Johnson as quarterback. No one's going to pass them. The Packers. Packers still have an outside <laughs> chance. We'll have Ram Domovsky, the Packers beat writer, come up throughout the show. I'll talk to him about some of the playoff opportunities for Green Bay, and they still exist. Mm-hmm. There are still opportunities for Green Bay to get into the playoffs, but a lot has to go right, and they play the Bears this weekend. So yeah, that could be, be a, a tough one. one. <laughs> that could be a toughie. Aaron Rodgers going up against Khalil Mack. It was fun in week one, but mm-hmm. that was... I, I can't say it was a healthy Rodgers. In the first half, it was. Mm-hmm. Rodgers on painkillers looked really good against yeah. Khalil Mack <laughs> in that second half. Uh, again, Rachel Zerby from ABC Marquette in studio with us. Right now in the AFC, I feel like there's better football being played than in the NFC. For a long time, it looked like the Saints and the Rams mm-hmm. were going to collide in the NFC Championship. And I thought the Saints would win because they're a more complete team. But they both had humbling losses by the other two division leaders right now. Dallas and Chicago haven't clinched their divisions yet, but realistically they have. So you've got those teams that all look to be the top four seeds, probably Seattle and then in all likelihood Minnesota will be the wildcard teams. If the Saints and Rams, well, they're not unbeatable, and we knew that going mm-hmm. into it, but now teams are starting to lay out a consistent formula for how to beat them. So if the Saints and Rams, I mean, should they be worried? Are they in trouble of not getting the top two seeds? Because his teams are laying out a formula as far as how to beat them. But if they don't get it, who is going to? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, is the Dallas question or is Chicago who would get good enough two... to do that? No, yeah. there's no way. Dallas is horrible. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone... I, I mean, don't that care that NFC they've won East five out of six with Amari general. Cooper. They haven't done that because no. of Amari Cooper. They've done that because they finally figured out to give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. They're doing what Mike Zimmer would want mm-hmm. to do in Minnesota right now. I just, the I'm NFC not in general into the is just, no. No. I think right now the Super Bowl favorite, maybe not necessarily champion, but the favorite has to come out of the AFC right now. They're just playing better football. I mean, the mm-hmm. Chargers are going to be a wild card team, and they could probably be a top two seed in the NFC right now. Mm-hmm. They probably could. And I'm excited for tomorrow night's game when they take on Kansas City. That'll be their last shot at beating Kansas City for the division championship. And right now, the AFC is just playing better football. Well, I mean, that, that last wild card spot in the NFC could go to a team with a losing record. It could, yeah. Like, it's so, and it's so weird because last, you look at last year, I feel like the NFC was more dominant. Mm-hmm. I guess because you had the Eagle. Maybe, uh, maybe not. 
I'm just thinking like the Eagles and the Vikings were good. They now were really now good. they're just horrible. Mm-hmm. Whereas I mean the AFC, you always kind of have the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are like on another level yeah, these days. You get usually in the <laughs> AFC, you know that you're always going to get good seasons from yeah. New England and Pittsburgh. Kansas City's going to have a good mm-hmm. regular season. Once in a while, you get one of those other teams to step up and be competitive. Teams like Tennessee was a playoff team last yeah. year. Indianapolis once in a while. Uh, they look like they could be a playoff team this year. Baltimore has a shot at getting into the postseason. By the way, is Joe Flacco still elite? Because no. he's benched in favor of Lamar Jackson on Sunday. No, and I want Lamar Jackson to start every game from here on out. Let me ask you this. If Lamar Jackson becomes the new franchise quarterback in Baltimore, where does Joe Flacco go? Does he go somewhere else in the league? Because I wonder... If Alex Smith's injury is as bad as they're fearing it might be, could Joe Flacco go to D.C., play for the Redskins? I wouldn't put it out of the question. Yeah, I mean, he's better than Mark Sanchez (laughs) and Josh Johnson. Yeah. I wonder if he could go there. I almost wonder if Tampa Bay might be open Mm -hmm. because Jameis was supposed to be their quarterback of the future. And at some point, I'm just waiting for them to pull the plug on him and go back to Fitzmagic. I don't think it'll happen this season, but... If its magic was 10 years younger, you could count that it would happen. But they want to get the most out of Jameis that they can. Jacksonville will probably have an open quarterback job. Denver might have an open quarterback job. You have some quarterbacks that could be on the move this year. And really, there's not a whole lot out of this year's draft class as far as quarterbacks, at least compared to what we had last mm-hmm. year. You've probably got Dwayne Haskins and John Herbert that are going to go top 10. And beyond them, there's not a whole heck of a lot. I don't know. Would you buy in for Joe Flacco, though? If I were a team like Jacksonville, I might. You've been living with Blake Bortles the last few Mm -hmm. years. I might buy into Flacco. He'd flash a Super Bowl ring, and that'd be enough. Somebody will say, sure. Washington, maybe, if they don't get their quarterback. I mean, Washington, I feel like, would be, like, the most, would make the most sense. Just because the Redskins have their, what, on their third string? Now they're in their fourth. Four. They're fourth battling string. between three and four with Johnson and Sanchez. Yes. Yeah, so Neither of those two it, should be a third or fourth string. Honestly, just get anyone at this point. <laughs> See if Flacco maybe could go there. I wonder where Blake Bortles will end up next season. It's weird to think what the NFL is going to look like by this time next season. Yeah. it's It's been a weird season, that's for been sure. A weird season. <laughs> Who would have thought the NFL would have turned out this way, where the Eagles won't make the playoffs, an absolute collapse after winning a Super Bowl mm-hmm. like 11 months ago. I, I mean, just even just like Patrick Mahomes yeah. going off the way he mm-hmm. has. Is Patrick Mahomes the MVP? I feel like he's got to be. I feel like I would vote for him right now if I could. You know, he I know he's got plenty of weapons around him and a great coach. I don't think he's a system quarterback, though. I mean, you saw his no-look pass. Mm-hmm. System quarterbacks can't do that. I mean, to play that position at the level that he's doing this year at age 23, i got to give it to him. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, Drew Brees is having a good season, Mm -hmm. but come on. I mean, he's still got it. (laughs) Drew Brees has still got it, no doubt. He'll be up there. What about Phillip Rivers? Does he have a shot at getting MVP? Uh, No. You don't think so? (laughs) No, I just don't think he should, but I don't think he will. Mm -hmm. Because he's not... One of those guys who, like, wows you right. every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, Mahomes puts on a show. Drew Brees is Drew Brees. And then there's just Philip Rivers, who just wins games, but doesn't do it in, I guess, exciting fashion, you could say, really. What are the Chargers, like, 10-3? and three, And they're a quiet 10-3. Exactly. Nobody's talking about them is the thing. Rivers will give you a chance to win. 
but you're right. He's not taking the world by storm by any stretch. I mean, he'll be up there in the conversation maybe, but he'll be kind of like Will Greer with the Heisman. Like, he'll just kind of be on the outside yeah. looking at it. <laughs> it's like, here, we'll, we'll nominate you, but that's about all you're going to get. Andrew Luck for oh. comeback player. Oh, of the year. yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I like Andrew mm-hmm. Luck. I'm glad to see that things are working out for him. I hope things continue to work out for him. Nick Foles is one more name I want to throw out before we go to the break. He will probably get his shot to start this weekend with Philadelphia. It's looking like Carson Wentz may be shut down for the rest of the year. Is it wrong to think Nick Foles? Maybe I should say this. I think Nick Foles is good enough to start somewhere else, especially when you look at Washington's situation, Jacksonville, certainly Tampa Bay and everything going on. And I mean, Case Keenum is a starting quarterback at Denver mm-hmm. right now. I don't think it's unfair to say that Nick Foles could start somewhere else. But is it wrong for me to be upset that he isn't starting somewhere else? I feel like Nick Foles, he's like the kind of guy, like, I don't even know if he wants to be a starter somewhere. Why is that? I don't know. I think, like, I just feel like going back to last year, I remember him, he, like, likes to be the guy Mm -hmm. to, like, come off the bench. Come in the hero situation? What if he leads the Eagles to another Super Bowl? Well, uh, they're going to need a lot to fall in their favor. Yeah, they would. I mean, they're still not out of it. That's for sure. It would be a miracle, and he'll definitely start I mean, I wouldn't mind having him as my backup quarterback, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of teams would have him start right now. I wonder where... I can't see him as a starter. You couldn't see him as a... Not even over, like, Jameis in Tampa Bay? What about Blake Bortles in Jacksonville? How about over Flacco? I I don't know. I just don't think Nick (laughs) Foles is is good. I don't know. He's not a leader. He's not someone who's trustworthy. Rachel Zerby from ABC Marquette's in studio with us. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Rob Domovsky is the beat writer for the Green Bay Packers on ESPN.com. He joins me next in the Sports Pet on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Special guest joining us on headset, Rob Domovsky, covers the Packers for ESPN.com. Kind enough to give us some time to talk about Green Bay. Well, Rob, let's jump right into it. Play to talk about regarding the Packers' playoff chances, which they're still there, they're still alive, and Joe Philbin, what he can do for his coaching tenure moving forward. But let's start with the Packers' postseason opportunities. Everything they needed to happen on Sunday went their way. So now Green Bay's got an outside chance to pull this thing off, everything that's gone wrong this season, and there's still a somewhat realistic shot they could get in. Yeah, I mean, it all starts, Tanner, with them having to win out. And, and that, you know, if they, if they can't win out, then it's going to be very, very difficult, although not impossible. Uh, look, if they, if they end up going down to Chicago on Sunday and, and winning that game, then I think there's some, you know, real reason to, to sort of be optimistic. But it, that's going to be awfully difficult. I mean, anybody who watched that has watched that Bears defense and, and you know, seen some of the problems the Packers offensive line has had, Especially with all the injuries, has got to be concerned. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's still life. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, said it. We're not dead yet, and uh, you know, there, there's definitely been, a, there at least there was some renewed juice in, the, in in their step a little bit, bouncing their step on Sunday. We'll see if it can carry over uh, just beyond the one week with uh, with Joe Philbin. Playoff picture for Green Bay, and let me know if I'm wrong on this. 
The Packers need at least one loss from each of Washington, Philadelphia, and Carolina, plus two losses from Minnesota, or they need Seattle to lose out. And Washington's got Jacksonville, Tennessee, Philadelphia left. Philly's got Washington, the Rams, Houston. Carolina's got New Orleans, Atlanta, and then at New Orleans. Minnesota has got Chicago, Miami, and Detroit. So Packers first and foremost taking care of business themselves, especially against a good Chicago team. That's got to be where you start. Yeah, that, that all sounds right. i got to be honest with you. Even I asked our ESPN staff and information people, and they said there's too many variables for them to go through and, and confirm all that, although it does sound right. But you're right. It starts Sunday in Chicago. Uh, very, very difficult task. I mean, look, they met in week one, and, and we all know the, how the Packers came through that and, and won that game. But uh, so much has changed for both teams since then that really you sort of have to, you know, you can't even look at what happened in that game. It was uh, so long ago. Khalil Mack had only been in, in Chicago for about five days. So there, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that's different about both these teams, and, and I think that's what makes these division matchups so interesting, especially when you play one of them real early in the year and then and the rematch is very late in the year. Well, we got our first look at a Packers team led by Joe Philbin post-Mike McCarthy. You're up and close. You're up close and personal with these guys. Tell me what noticeable difference you saw between a Philbin-led Packers team compared to a McCarthy one. Well, I thought offensively, uh, you know, things just seemed a little quicker. Uh, Joe mentioned that his number one goal was to get Rodgers to play as quick as possible and, and try to get him up to the line of scrimmage. We did not see a lot of times where that play clock was running down five, four, three, two, one kind of a thing. Uh, we also saw a little bit of a return of, of what I would call the true West Coast offense. Uh, quick throws, three-step drops, and then get the ball out of his hands quickly whenever possible. Uh, they did not take as many shots down the field. Um, you know, they, they, they had sort of tried to uh, sort of just quick hit their way down the field. And, uh, you know, it didn't end up in a bunch of yards. I mean, uh, Rodgers only threw for, I think, 196. But they were efficient, and, and that was the biggest difference we saw. Defensively, not a lot different. I mean, Joe Philbin had said, look, you know, Mike Penton, defensive coordinator, is going to continue to do his thing on that side of the ball. He's going to let those guys coach that side of the ball. And, and really right now, even though Joe Philbin is the interim head coach, you really have a head coach for the offense and a head coach for the defense. We've got Rob Domofsky, the Packers beat writer for ESPN.com, on headset with us. Rob, is there any chance that Joe Philbin could come away with this as the permanent head coach, or what does he need to do in these final weeks of the season to give himself a shot to retain the job? Yeah, going into it, Tanner, I really thought the chances were slim, uh, although everybody respects Joe and everybody really likes him. But I'll tell you what, if they can play with the same energy that they did Sunday, I think it you know, definitely will make him a legitimate candidate. I mean, Mike, uh, Mark Murphy used those words, legitimate candidate, uh, to talk about him when he uh, made the change. But, you know, I, I tell you what, that if, if, they, if they went out, uh, regardless of whether that's good enough to get to the uh, playoffs or not good enough, I think you'd have to take a long, hard look at them. Uh, the one thing you always have to, to wonder is, 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 there, is, is that a huge difference or is it just the players kind of trying to show, hey, we weren't the problem and, and that it can't last? Uh, I think we'll you know, have a step toward answering that question uh, on Sunday for sure. Well, the Packers front office and Mike McCarthy still 
seemed to be on fairly good terms. They brought Mike in, and he was able to address the players on Wednesday of last week after the firing happened. Tell me what you're noticing inside the front office, maybe relations between the new coaching staff, front office, what have you, and then that of Aaron Rodgers with Joe Philbin. Well, Rodgers clearly likes Philbin. He said that even, you know, from January when they threw him back after when he was away for, what, six, five, six years. Uh, Rodgers is a big fan of that move to come back as offensive coordinator, so it's no surprise that, you know, he's worked well with him early on. You know, Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, the president and general manager, are going to run this search. Um, you know, but here's the thing. You know, neither of these guys has ever hired a head coach at the NFL level before. So there's a lot that we don't know about what they're looking for. And, in fact, they wouldn't really lay out any criteria of what they're looking for. So um, it's really going to be sort of a, a wait-and-see process as we go through this. Um, this. This month does give them the opportunity to sort of formulate their plan. And, and if, if, indeed, it's a current NFL assistant coach or head coach that, that, that is coaching in the league, you know, there's only so much they can do between now and when those seasons are over. But at least they can do some of their background work. If it happens to be a college coach, they could move on it right away. Um, but, but right now, there's just you know we just really don't know what Murphy and Gutekunst are thinking and what they're looking for. You've got a mix of young talent that's not quite there, and then you've got a lot of aging veterans whose contracts are taking up cap space. You look at a guy like Clay Matthews, a guy like Jimmy Graham, Clay do a big contract coming up the production's been down the last couple of years what are the odds that he's wearing a different uniform next season you know i would have said going into the season that i thought there was little chance matthews would be back now i'm starting to think that that given you know if the money's right which is obviously the caveat in all these things for both sides that there's a chance he could come back and maybe even come back and, and play a little bit more inside linebacker which would you know help um along his career a little bit, wouldn't have to rush on the edge, which, you know, he, he, he quite frankly hasn't been as effective at, but he, he's been healthy all year, which is, you know, that's one knock against Matthews is he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he, he's played just about every snap that they've asked him to play, he had, I think, one game where he came out a little hobbled, but, um, you know, that's big for him, I think, if the contract is, is, is right for the team, that they would have him back, and, and you know, I, you mentioned Jimmy Graham, I the production there just hasn't been what they had hoped. and It was a three-year deal, but my guess is they'll probably move on or, or make him take a big pay cut to come back there. I was looking in the locker room, standing in the locker room yesterday, thinking to myself, there's a lot of guys that might not be back on this team next year. I mean, I, I, you could say maybe even 20 guys that, that are on this team that won't be back next year. There's a, a lot of overhaul that needs to be done. Uh, Gutekunst has uh, gotten off to a good start. His first draft class looks really good. His first foray in the free agency, maybe not so good with Graham, Muhammad Wilkerson, um, and Tremont Williams has really been the only one that's, that's really worked out. Uh, but I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll make him hesitant to get back in the free agency. They're going to have enough cap space where they can be players in that market, but it's going to have to, you know, they're going to have to really uh, take a long, hard look at, at adding talent because on offense, you know, you have the quarterback who obviously is, is still got, they, they believe, four or five good years left in him. You have Devontae Adams, who's become one of the premier receivers in the league, and you have Aaron Jones, a running back, and that's about it in terms of skill position talent. So they're going to have to add something there. And, and then, you know, we talked about Matthews and the pass rush. They're going to have to upgrade the pass rush spot. But the cornerback situation looks like it's been solidified, which has been a huge, you know, need seemingly year after year after year. 
really good pick. Josh Jackson maybe ends up being a safety, but looks like he can play. Uh, signed Rashad Breed, Breedland off the street. He had the big pick six uh, in the game the other day. And if Kevin King can ever stay healthy, he should be okay in the back end. Talked about the draft class. They have quite a few early picks coming up in April. This is a draft, though, that's loaded with defensive talent, a lot more so than there is on the offensive end that's available. Where are they going to be drafting come April? I mean, I think it has to be edge rusher. You know, if they're going to end up picking in the upper half of the first round, if they, make, if they don't make the playoffs, um, they have a chance to get one of those premier edge rushers. Um, you know, it's easy to say now that they, they should have taken T.J. Watt a couple of years ago, and what does he have, 10 sacks? Uh, and then, you know, that's one year they traded back and took Kevin King, who's been injured more than he's been on the field. But they just can't They can't avoid that position. They can't ignore that position any longer. I think it's easy to see. But there's others. I mean, tight end, they've whiffed a couple times now in free agency with Jimmy Graham and Martellus Bennett. They, they absolutely could use a playmaking tight end. And, and I still say they're going to need depth of receiver. Uh, they only drafted a bunch last year, but Randall Cobb looks like he might be near the end. And other than Devontae Adams, they don't have um, really a second bona fide receiver. So there's there are a lot of needs, as, as most teams have. Um, but I think they've got to address uh, the edge rush in, in this draft. Talk with Rob Domovsky. He is the Packers beat writer for ESPN.com. Last thing before I let you go, Rob, you're around this team quite a bit. What is the mood regarding Mason Crosby? Is there a chance that the Packers will have a new kicker coming in next season? I don't think so. I mean, he did miss a couple of key kicks this year, obviously, the one, two weeks ago against Arizona and the Minnesota game and then the you know, the debacle in Detroit. But I, I think they feel pretty good about him. Still still under contract for, I think, one more year. Um, I don't think they want to get into the revolving kicker game. Um, I think they still feel good about Mason Crosby and, and the way he uh, the way he can operate in the cold weather. I mean, you saw it here uh, Sunday. I mean, Matt Bryant came up woefully short on a long field goal in the same direction Mason Crosby banged in a long one. So uh, I think they still feel really good about him. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time. Best of luck to you and the Packers the rest of the way, and hope to have you on again here soon. All right, no problem. Thank you. That's Rob Domovsky, Packers beat writer for ESPN.com. More in the sports pen after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize. Only to Jibway Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Rachel Zerby on the Sports Pen Wednesday afternoon. Here is your Sports Center update. The Toronto Blue Jays have released shortstop Troy Tilowitzki. He is about to become a very rich man by doing nothing. J.A. Happ and the Yankees have agreed on a new contract, and Ohio State University has just installed a vending machine that supplies exclusively bacon. So they don't have a college football playoff to look forward to, but Ohio State University in Columbus has a bacon vending machine. That's a power move. That is a power move, isn't it? I can't tell if that's brilliant or disgusting, maybe a little bit of both, because... I mean, they it's probably weird. don't change that every how hour it, or something. How does do that? that? I want to know how that works. I do, too. I and do they have, like, thick cup bacon, turkey bacon, the different kinds? Yeah. Like, I need answers. You press, like, D4, yeah. and you get turkey bacon, you get 
lightly whatever sizzled or whatever if you press e5 like something like burnt, that like hard and mm-hmm. then they make limp and cr- that's interesting trip down to columbus to try out the <laughs> yeah. new bacon vending machine on ohio state's campus let's go to basketball another one of your teams in the news with philadelphia the 76ers your expert for everything <laughs> where do they stack up in the eastern conference maybe a month from now boston seems like it's starting to figure things out they're now six over 500 they play washington tonight toronto's doing their thing milwaukee's playing really well does philadelphia maintain this level of success or do they have another level to go up i still think they can take it to another level mm-hmm. but i think that level they will get there if ben simmons starts to shoot the ball but i mean it, the top four teams, it's, obvi- it's obviously the Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. But I think it's a clear front runner in the Raptors right now in the East. Let's go to Temple football. A few <laughs> weeks ago, Jeff Collins took off for Georgia Tech. He takes over for Paul Johnson there. So now the Owls are looking for their third head coach in less than five years. Matt Rule, of course, is at Baylor. They've had a few good coaches here over the last few years, and they're hoping to continue with that. A few of the names that they brought in, Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator at Miami, and Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator at uh, Texas A&M. You know everything there is to know about Philadelphia area teams. <laughs> Any inside scoop on who the Owls could be looking at as Jeff Collins' successor? So there's rumors. Um, Fran Brown, he used mm. to coach at Temple. He was on part of Matt Rule's staff. He's now down at Baylor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players on Twitter were literally like, Temple, I will donate you like $20,000 if you hire him as the next head coach because he's a Philly guy too. So they're like, you'll get the hometown guys. So I heard he was um, applying for the job. Ed Foley, the assistant coach who went viral with his Mm -hmm. speech down in Louisiana. I heard that he is going to apply for the head coach. But my thing is, whoever wants to become a head head coach at a Power 5 school, this is your opportunity because Temple's a stepping stone, and that's what we always will be. Well, and they've done that. They've gotten a couple of coaches here in the last few years, a couple of good coaches on to Power 5 schools with Matt Rola Mm -hmm. Baylor and now Jeff Collins going down to Georgia Tech. And Temple's been good over the last few mm-hmm. years. They've got a lot to feel good about. Heading down to Shreveport for their bowl game. I mean, they'll have a lot of fun down there. Is it near, like, New Orleans? Probably. That's in Louisiana, right? Yep, yeah. that's in Louisiana. <laughs> okay. I mean, Louisiana's not, not that big. It's all right. I don't know if I've ever been to Louisiana. Uh, I can't yeah, think that I, I have. Either. Anyway, I want to. Looks like a fun place. Yeah. Marty Gras Exactly. Up. That's what I would go down for. I don't really know if I'd go to Louisiana for anything else no maybe a saints game (laughs) yeah saints game could be fun um so no temple's got their opportunity to bring in somebody new they had a few defensive guys that's that's kind of interesting to me is that guys like manny diaz and mike elko they're both very good defensive and it's funny because jeff collins was the defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. at florida and i wonder if that's what they're trying to do is bring in somebody who's going to establish a good defense there at Temple. If they're looking to build around defense, is that the vibe you get from watching Temple football over the last few years, that they want to establish a strong defense? I mean, when Matt Rule was here, we had Hassan Reddick and Tyler mm-hmm. Medikevich, and they were, like, strong. Our defense, I guess, was strong, but no, I just think Temple needs to figure out who their starting quarterback is because we've been playing the wrong quarterback year in and year out. Like, Anthony Russo's probably one of the best recruits Temple has gotten in a while, Mm -hmm. and he sat the bench for, like, half the season, and then he plays, and he leads us 
to a bowl game. Rachel Zerby from ABC Marquette is in the studio with us on this Wednesday afternoon. How's Temple basketball doing this season? They're usually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they hung with Nova, but then they lost, but Nova lost to Penn, so their 25-game win streak in the Big Five is snapped. So every Big Five team, every Big Five school is Big Penn fans now. Mm Mm-hmm. Because no one likes Nova. Nobody so likes Nova if you're from Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> We're sick of being patient. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia sports, there was a period where it was just dreadful. Yeah. So now it's like we want to be good. They have the potential to be good. I mm-hmm. mean, how? when was the last time a team has been this bad after they won the Super Bowl? Like, their hangover is horrible. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, and Doug Peterson, like, his play calling was obviously good last year now it's just mm-hmm. what like what are you doing Doug yeah, the same guy who drew yeah up the Philly special uh-huh. so I mean we have a right to be concerned. what are you doing Doug <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we just we just want to win yeah that's, and all. that's all right that's all right that's the, that's the culture <laughs> over there Flyers kind of made that evident as they fired Ron Hextall Dave Hextall might be next on the list you're going back to Philadelphia here pretty soon, am, aren't you? I am. The end of January, and I will hopefully be going to the Sixers. They play the Spurs when mm. I'm home. So Great Popovich moved yeah. into fourth all-time last night, passing Pat Riley. Fourth all-time on the NBA career wins list. Bryn Forbes, people remember that name. He's playing for San Antonio Yeah, right and uh, Redding native from my hometown, Lonnie Walker. Okay, yeah, from uh, played for drafted. Miami. Yeah. yeah. How about this before we go to break? Uh, going to baseball, Troy Tillowitzki has been released by the Blue Jays. He's getting paid $38 million not to play for the next two seasons. How sign me up. Isn't that great? If Kyler Murray's <laughs> listening to the show, there's no way he's ever going to play in the NFL no. now after seeing this why, story. Well, yeah, why yeah. would you? Troy Tulowitzki is going to get $38 million not to play. So here are some of the other greatest uh, buyouts from professional sports of guys that were paid not to play. They were bought out of their contract, given the money to do nothing. A lot of them are basketball. A lot of them are NBA. Uh, Gilbert Arenas, remember him? $63 million with the Magic. And, of course, remember the way that his career ended. (laughs) Darren Williams got $18 million to part ways with the Nets. Chauncey Billups and the Knicks, $14 million. Can't say anything about Chauncey because he is treated like royalty up here. And then, of course, Charlie Weiss, as head coach at Notre Dame, paid $19 million to not coach there. And then they had Brian Kelly take over. So Troy Tulowitzki in baseball alone, he ranks third most all-time in biggest baseball buyouts. Paid not to play. That's even more than Bobby Benilla, who's still being paid. He's still being paid, and he left in what? Almost the turn of the century. That's ridiculous. He's getting paid almost $30 million still not to play. Tilowitzki is third on the list behind Josh Hamilton, $68 million from the Angels, and Pablo Sandoval, almost $49 million from the Red Sox. Prince Fielder from the Tigers on that list as well, $30 million. He's fourth. kind of wish I was a pro baseball player. I was going to say I'm kind of mad at my mom and dad. One, that I'm not a boy, and two, that <laughs> I'm not a professional baseball player where I can get paid to not do anything. You can be Charlie Weiss and coach at, like, three different schools, get a large contract, yeah. tank, and get paid to do nothing. Man, it must I, be the life. It would probably be the life. Kyler Murray's got his shot to do it if he really wants to. I just love how the Heisman Trophy winner is going out to play baseball. Mm-hmm. It's like he picks up football as a hobby, just balls out, and now he's going to go play pro baseball. And I heard he's better at baseball. He might be. 
than football, which is insane. It kind of blows the speculation of sports specialization out the window, which is good. You mm -hmm. know, in high school athletes, they try to preach, you only do one oh, sport, no. you specialize, I, that'll make you better. That's, that's no. baloney. That drives me up a wall. Kyler Murray's <laughs> proved it wrong. I don't know yeah. if you can defend that in any way, shape, or form after that. Stat of the day before we go to break. This season, there have been 59 NFL games that have been decided by three points or less. Wow. That is most in NFL history by a long shot. And that basically describes the season the NFL That's is having. how it's gone. <laughs> you think about how a few of these games would have changed and how different some team's seasons could look. I mean, mm -hmm. they had a couple of those three-point mm -hmm. games go their way, just swing differently. Easily. Rachel Zerby from ABC Marquette's in studio with us. We'll take a timeout and wrap this thing up. We'll look ahead to the NBA tonight. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Don't forget, Pigskin Payday's back. Pick the winner of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casino, Barriga, and Marquette. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Rachel Zerby. Glad that you're with us on this Wednesday afternoon. If you've missed any of the show, you can go to the on-demand section of the ESPN-UP app. Hear the show in its entirety. Got all kinds of content available there. Pistons are in action tonight. They visit Charlotte and Kemba Walker. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off, as is Milwaukee at Indiana. And then your 76ers play Brooklyn, so there's going to be plenty of basketball on this evening. Plenty to keep you busy. Yeah, I kind of noticed that Wednesdays are the night for NBA. Seems like it, Because <laughs> I feel like last week we were talking about how there was a lot going on, too. They always have but, some good ones yeah. on Wednesday night, it seems like. That's mostly the NBA's night. Mm -hmm. NHL tries to do that, at least on Wednesday night, a little bit. NHL has got Pittsburgh and Chicago tonight. There will be some people around here that will keep an eye on that <laughs> game. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. Toronto and Golden State play tonight, though. That could be a lot oh, of fun. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. What is that, really on the West Coast? One. That's on the West Coast, so that'll tip off at okay. 10.30 over here. Perks of working a night shift. It might be <laughs> worth staying up to watch that one. I mean, that could be a really yeah, fun Yeah, that could be a finals matchup. It's a potential finals <laughs> matchup, <laughs> that's for mark. sure. It's never too early to speculate no. on the NBA finals, is it? No, I mean, absolutely not. That's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. I mean, you could look at those two... How many games would it take for Golden State to beat Toronto in the finals if they played right now? Like in a seven-game series, a Toronto wouldn't win, would they? I, mean, no, I think Toronto would get at least one You think game. so? You think so Golden I State think could do it in five? five? Who would be the best matchup against Golden State from the Eastern Conference? Do you see anybody going to six or seven games against Golden State? Could Boston do it? Could Philadelphia do it? Maybe Milwaukee? I don't know. I think Boston would go at least six. I think Philadelphia could probably go six. Yeah, just because they have more of the superstar, mm -hmm. so to say. They have Giannis, but they just have such a well-balanced scoring attack. They do. But it's Giannis, and then it's, like, others. Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah. Bledsoe, Middleton. And it's, like, they're not bad. They're not bad, but... They're just not. They're, they're not Draymond, and yeah. they're not Durant, they're not Clay Thompson. I just feel like the they would eat them alive. Right. They're not who Steph Curry surrounds himself with. That could be the game to watch tonight. Well, at least three of them if you're up in this area. Four of them if you're Rachel and up in this area. <laughs> I don't know how many eyes are going to be on New York at Cleveland. Knicks at the Cavaliers. Oh my gosh, I don't none. know that you could pay me to watch that. Absolutely not. <laughs> what if? 
What if, though, you had to watch that game? The NBA had a system where you had to watch that game, couldn't just have it on, had to pay attention, take a test and get 80% on it, and that's the only way you could watch the Sixers. Wait, wait, I have to take a test? Yeah, you have to take a test on tonight's Knicks Cavaliers game. No. And if you pass and get 80%, that's the only way that you can no. watch Philadelphia in the playoffs. I probably wouldn't get 80%. Well, would you try? Yeah. To be I able would to watch try. Philadelphia? Yeah, absolutely. But you couldn't watch tonight's game. And no. Get, yeah, that's going to be bad basketball. Where is that at? Cleveland? Or? It's in Cleveland. It's okay. at the queue. I don't even know who's on the Knicks anymore. Chris Kevin Dops. Knox was, but he got hurt because yeah. he was on my fantasy team. And Chris Dobbs is never healthy. Otherwise, yeah, he's pretty much the face of the Knicks right now. What happened? Is J.R. Smith not playing? Is he still on the Cavs? Didn't he ask for a trade? Yeah, he's on the Cavs. It's just how much is he contributing to the Cavs okay. right now? J.R. Smith. I mean, How about Swaggy P? Sorry to change the... No, that's all right. The, but Swaggy P's back. I, I like Denver. Swaggy P. So Isn't it cool I. to he's see him get back on He's a great on Instagram, too. Is he? Yeah, he's okay. funny. <laughs> I've missed Swaggy P yeah. since he's been on the mm-hmm. basketball scene. Really, everyone lost touch of him after he left the Lakers. Now he finds his way back to the Nuggets. Shouldn't the Nuggets be better than they are? It just seems to me they should be better than they are. Like, they don't have elite talent, but they've got enough where they could probably be like six in the Eastern don't Conference they have right Isaiah now. Thomas? Yeah. Is he healthy? Can't t- I honestly I don't can't know. even say I pay much attention to... To Nuggets basketball the West, other here. than like the Warriors and the Lakers and the Rockets and the, and the Rockets. Thunder. So Boy, basically, the half them? the West, <laughs> the Pelicans, the everyone Pelicans, but Denver, Minnesota yeah. for me a little bit, maybe for you too. Well, yeah. shoot, yeah, Minnesota's starting to figure things out after the Jimmy Butler trade. I mean, they're better without Jimmy Butler. It's weird to think, but Minnesota. What are the odds that they make the playoffs this season? I think they can. I don't see why so? not. They'll be a Kind of like a seed. coin flip, 50-50 if they make yeah. it or miss it right now. If they get in and they lose right away, is Tom Thibodeau out? I don't know. That's tough because I feel like they're kind of figuring things out mm-hmm. this season without Jimmy Butler. I feel like, like he should be out. I just don't think they will no. necessarily make that move. I, I will never understand Minnesota, though, because you have Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. and you are not good. No. Like, they were two of the best players going into the league, mm-hmm. I want to say, and I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, let's step aside real quickly. We will get caught up on a message from the MHSAA this week in high school sports. Ready for battle, uniform safety, and pixelot explosion. It's all next on This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid. Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. Hi again, everyone. I'm John Johnson, and welcome to This Week in High School Sports. That time is here once again. No, not the holidays, but that time where our high school basketball cheering sections across the state get ready to show their enthusiasm and their sportsmanship in the MHSAA's 8th Annual Battle of the Fans created by the Association Student Advisory Council. Last year, the modified format got more schools involved in a deeper way. One, we got to keep more schools in the competition longer, so we have nine schools that get to move on from the first round. And on top of that, we've got to see them in action over a two-week period instead of just the one night that we visit them on the game night. So now we visit them on a game night, and we get to see them in action for two weeks, so we get a better picture of what their student section is all about. Andy Freshour of the MHSEA oversees the Student Advisory Council. 
Schools entering this year's battle have until January 12th to submit a three-minute video making their case, and the Student Advisory Council will whittle the entries down to nine schools for two weeks of social media challenges before three finalists are selected that SAC members and MHSAA staff will visit on a game night. Social media input in mid-February will assist the SAC in selecting a champion, which will be announced on February 22nd and honored in March at the MHSAA Boys Basketball Semifinals in East Lansing. The Herd from Buchanan High School in Southwest Michigan is the defending Battle of the Fans champion. You can follow the battle from the second half page of the MHSAA website. Our MHSAA TV game balls this week go out to boys basketball forward Romeo Weems of New Haven High School, who had 34 points, 19 rebounds, and 10 blocks in a win over St. Clair Shores Lakeshore last week, a game you can watch an archive of now for free on MHSAA TV. And Molly Davis, who scored 31 points to lead Midland Dow past Freeland in girls basketball action. Back with more in a moment, you're listening to This Week in High School Sports. Do you need money for college? Michigan Student Aid is Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. They administer scholarships, grants, college savings programs, and other resources that help make college accessible, affordable, and achievable for you. See how they can help you today by visiting michigan.gov slash mystudentaid and connect with Michigan Student Aid on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. Our weekly Be the Referee feature looks into the fine art of officiating with Brent Rice. As the basketball season comes into full swing, we want to take a quick look at some of the topics that have been at the forefront for our schools and officials. Our primary focus is always the safety of our student athletes. And while some of our uniform requirements are technical in nature, a point of emphasis this year concentrates on the potential hazards that loose strings and extensions can create. Rolled waistbands have been interpreted as legal as long as there are no exposed drawstrings and they comply with logo restrictions. Players may wear headbands composed of soft material. They can be tied as long as the loose extensions or tails are tucked back into the headband. Because they wrap around the entire head, headbands are distinguished from hair control devices which have their own requirements and restrictions. Thanks Brent. You can be a referee. Go to the MHSAA website now to register. When the MHSAA began its school broadcast program 10 years ago, it was done with the intention of giving students hands-on experience with producing and announcing sporting events. But this year, there has been an explosion appearing on the MHSAA TV website and the NFHS network using the network's automated production solution, Pixelot. In the past two years, the number of Pixelot units in the state of Michigan totaled over 70 at over 50 schools. And this week alone, will deliver to MHSAA TV viewers over 250 events. It just makes sense. While traditional SBP programs provide great opportunities, crews can only get to so many games. Pixelot now allows that basketball triple header to be covered, or that wrestling quad, or that big competitive cheer invitational. All the school has to do is load the schedule into the system. So the future of high school broadcasting is here. And it's not in national broadcasts like those on the Alphabet family of networks profiling and exploiting high-powered teams and college recruits, but in local broadcasts of everyday kids in local rivalries reaching displaced local fans around the world. You've been listening to This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, a production of the MHSCA Network. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm John Johnson. We'll see you next time. 
Always glad to be able to hear from the MHSAA, get their take on everything that's been going on and all their happenings around the great state of Michigan. Here's a new report that's come out. Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver is threatening city council to move the Suns out of Phoenix if a new arena deal doesn't pass. He's even listed a couple of places where he could potentially move to, and that includes Seattle or Las Vegas. Seattle, of course, tradition-rich basketball history with the Supersonics there. They moved to Oklahoma City a number of years ago. Now they're getting hockey. Las Vegas is getting everything. They've got hockey. They're about to get the Raiders. Might as well give them basketball, too. But you got those options if you're Sarver in the Phoenix Suns that you can threaten to move unless you get a new arena. Again, this is between the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, and the city of Phoenix, the city council. Suns want a new arena. They want to upgrade from the Talking Stick Arena, which, by the way, was where my first NBA game was. Saw Steph Curry and the Warriors visit the Suns. It's a great arena, but, as always, can use an upgrade. That should do it for us. Thanks so much for being with us here in the Sports Pen. Thank you to Rachel Zerby, Rob Domovsky. They were my guests in studio today. Don't forget, we're back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central, right here on ESPN-UP. Jake Durant from CBS Marquette will be my guest then. Hope to have you with us. Hope you enjoyed the show today as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. If you missed any part of the show, go online. The on-demand section of our app, you can find it there. We have Westwood Patriot basketball tomorrow night as well. That game will be in Manistique. Girls action, 7-15 pregame, 7-30 tip right here on ESPN-UP. Signing off from the WZAM Ishpeming Marquette Studios, I'm Tanner Hoops. Enjoy Will Kane.